Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 498. This week, I am previewing my upcoming cruise. Not only is it a cruise that's coming up and I get to sail on it next, but it'll be my first European cruise on Anthem of the Sea. So let's preview my cruise. Here we go. After many, many years of cruising in primarily in North America, I'm actually going to be able to go on my first Royal Caribbean cruise that is outside the United States and or North America. I've done a cruise out of the Bahamas technically, so that wasn't in the U.S., but I'll be going on my first cruise out of North America, and that'll be on Anthem of the Seas to Norway. I'm very excited for this one, a little apprehensive, actually very apprehensive about it. It's a big change. You know, it's something that it's, it's out of my, I don't want to say out of my comfort zone because that infers that I'm not enjoying it or I'm not looking forward to it. I definitely am, but it's a new challenge. And certainly the timing of this is right. This is actually kind of a last minute cruise. Uh, I'll have more information on that later at realcrimianblog.com. I don't know that I can talk about why, but I'll be in Europe. And so I'm boarding Anthem of the Seas for a seven night cruise to Norway and doing the Norwegian fjords, which has been on my bucket list for a long time. And this will be on Anthem of the Seas, a ship that I have not been on in quite a while. I'm actually logged into my account. I'm just curious because it's been a long time since I have been on Anthem. My last cruise on Anthem, okay, maybe it wasn't that long ago. It was, uh, it was on Anthem of the Seas in, in 2019, actually one of our uh, Royal Caribbean Blog group cruises. So I don't know, maybe it just feels like, I mean, that was like four years ago. So it's been a long time. It's, it's not been like, you know, around the corner. So back on Anthem of the Seas, I've not been on that ship in quite a bit. And of course, the itinerary is really what we're going to talk about here because, you know, the ship in and of itself we've talked about. In fact, you can probably go find the cruise preview for that, for that particular sailing I went on and find all the information about the ship and things of that nature. So we're going to bypass that for a second. I might touch upon some things, but I really want to focus on the itinerary themselves because uh, going on a cruise to Europe has a lot of logistical challenges for us here. I think almost anybody, but especially those of us here in the U.S., right? We've got to get a flight over there. You've got the time change difference, jet lag, uh, where you're going to stay. In this case, Anthem of the Seas is sailing out of Southampton, England, uh, which is a fairly big port, actually. And that it's actually fairly easy to get to as well, especially if you're coming into London, which I am. I'll be coming into London two days early. And I'll be spending a couple of days in London. I'm planning on, uh, we actually have an Airbnb booked and uh, I'm going to be staying there for a couple of nights. And then I'm planning on taking the train from Southampton down, or sorry, from London to Southampton. The only crux in this little problem is there's supposed to be a rail strike the day that I'm going. And uh, as a result, uh, I, I'm not sure the train will be available for us. The train is by far the best option. But if it's not available, there's two options that really jump out at me. One is the bus. In fact, actually, if you book the rail ticket, they'll offer the bus as a as a backup. And there are other private bus companies that also just offer it. And I may book that. In addition to that, Uber is another option. And as many of you know, I'm a big fan of using Lyft and Uber here in the States. The nice thing about using Lyft or Uber is you go on your schedule. When I'm ready to go, I go. I don't have to worry about finding where the bus station is or any logistics there. It's simply pull up the app and go. Yes, it will cost me way more money than the bus. I'm, I'm very aware of that, but I may price that out at least just to see what it looks like because the convenience factor and the fact it's my first time, uh, I, I'm definitely in, in general when we're planning a lot of these things that we're going to talk about, I am very much leaning heavily on making it as smooth of a process as you possibly can. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I feel like retrospectively, uh, this is how many, I'm sure many first-time cruisers feel because you don't know what you don't know and you're apprehensive about making a mistake. And I certainly feel that way, whether we're talking about how to get to Southampton, some of the excursions I'm booking, I feel like this is an overarching thing and it, it kind of reminded me like, oh, this is probably how other people feel about booking a cruise. I mean, the good news is obviously it's still Royal Caribbean at its heart. 
I'm not too worried about it, but it is different. It is it is kind of out of your comfort zone a little bit in the sense that you've got some things maybe you have you're not used to doing. So anyway, we're gonna be uh, heading over there, and uh, actually on this cruise, I say we, but I'm actually gonna be solo on this cruise. As it turns out, again, my opportunity to go on here was fairly last minute. My kids are still in school, and my very 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 loving and supportive wife. Uh, allowed me to uh, to go on this cruise. I'll be going solo on this one. Now, in terms of getting from the U.S. to England, you know, one thing that's been top of mind is certainly jet lag and not just feeling like, you know, not even feeling bad when I get there, but, you know, basically not spending half the time just adjusting to the time and then the last couple of days finally getting readjusted to the time zone there. I've, I've read and heard a lot of different advice on it. It doesn't seem like there's a really good definitive way to deal with it other than, Whatever you do on the airplane, you do on the airplane, whether you sleep, stay awake, whatever. But when you get to the place you're going, in this case, England, just you need to adjust their time immediately and at all possible resist the urge to nap. That, I think, is the biggest challenge is not taking a nap immediately uh, and because you're going to be exhausted. But, you know, if, if I land at I don't even know what time I'm landing, but let's assume it's one o'clock in the afternoon that I don't immediately take a nap or go to bed when I get to the hotel that I, or there, maybe whatever that I you know, adjust the local time. Easier said than done. Uh, and and I the last time I flew internationally, I certainly recall that. But uh, you know, it's it's certainly top of mind. Um, and my only thing is, by the virtue of the fact that I'm coming in two days early, I'm willing to sacrifice potentially to, uh, touristy stuff in England in exchange for being more prepared for the cruise. You know, when we've done cruises out of the west coast of the U.S., not the same thing, but when we've done cruises out of the west coast of the U.S. In a lot of cases, we've been, I guess jet lagged is the right word. You know, we're, it's, you know, we're ready to go to bed much earlier than what the local time is. And it presents itself as a challenge because, you know, you want to do all these fun things and stay awake and, and, and really take advantage of the ship, but you're, you're, you're ready to go to bed at seven o'clock in the, in the evening, local time by virtue of the same thing. I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. So anyway, that'll be part of what the, uh, the first part of this will be when just getting over there. On this cruise, we've actually got a couple different port stops. Seven night cruises I mentioned going to, oh boy, I'm going to butcher these names. Hagsound, Hagsund, Geringer, Olden, and Bergen. And I got to tell you, you know, I think this is true of most, you know, most cruises. You're always, you know, struggling to figure out what to do in the ports you're visiting. For me, my overarching goal is to essentially have, I, I think, the most amount of time viewing the natural wonders of Norway, primarily the fjords here, right? I feel like that to me is more important than necessarily visiting things or seeing the local culture per se. I'm not against doing those things. And I enjoy that quite a bit, but the, I placed the fjords personally on a higher priority. And I think this is a good exercise, no matter what cruise you're doing to figure out what you want to do in any given port and then go from there in terms of figuring out, okay, what's your goal? What is your like number one choice, your number two choice, backups and and kind of you know go from there and certainly when we're talking about shore excursions i gotta also take a moment here and talk about the fact that shore excursions are selling out like crazy pre-pandemic i don't recall shore excursions ever being like this before maybe it's a combination of people just having more money maybe it's a combination of royal Caribbean doing a much better job of marketing things i don't know but uh tours are selling out so quickly now that when you get on board your ship there's a very, very, very good chance that almost all of them are going to be sold out. This is true of the Caribbean, and I've also noticed this here in Norway. When I was starting to look at this, I think about a month or two ago, I started looking at tours, and I just I was already you know kind of keen to this particular trend, and I um, from, from my other cruises, so I just booked some things to have something, 
And I'm glad I did because a lot of things did sell out. So one piece of advice for anybody listening, no matter where you're going, book your tours much earlier than I would have otherwise recommended before um, just to have something. Remember, everything you book on the Royal Caribbean website is for the cruise planner is refundable. So if you book a tour and you decide later on, I don't want to do it, you can totally cancel it and book something else or do something else completely. This was the case in, for me as well. I think I canceled. I booked originally two tours and ended up canceling them. But the bottom line is that I've had this opportunity to do so in the beginning, and I'm glad I did because otherwise I would be out of luck, at least from the Royal Caribbean standpoint. Now, in terms of tours in Norway, one of the things I've, I've kind of picked up from other people who cruise a lot in Europe is that going through the cruise line uh, is not necessarily advantageous, uh, especially um, in, in a lot of these places that you're visiting these cities because a lot of these things can be done on your own, and, and even if they can't be done on your own, they can be much cheaper through a third party. And for me, I tried to balance that. Um, certainly, it is way easier to just simply go on the Royal Caribbean website, find the tour, and book it. Um, <laughs> I, I totally get that. And I understand that appeal of it is not lost on me. But by the same token, I also feel like uh, I, you know, that's a good starting point. And that's why when I got in there, I booked a bunch of tours. And then later, I started looking at independent things, doing more research, right? Now, for me, I was a little lucky because in this case, I have an idea of what I wanted to do. If there was a tour that brought you to a fjord or a glacier, I was going there. That was like, okay, I'm just going to book that, right? As opposed to like if you're going to Cozumel as an example and you're trying to figure out what to do, I think that in a lot of cases, you may find a little more ambiguity as to a general direction. So I booked something and then I did my research. And again, this is because of the... I think this this change in philosophy for a lot of people who are booking tours much earlier and and these tours are selling out. So, um, and one other tip, by the way, in a lot of cases, especially if the name of it um, is kind of unique in some way, you can oftentimes Google the name of the tour and find actually local operators that offer the same exact tour. I found this in Alaska quite a bit. So anyway, let's talk about the tours that I had booked, uh, at least as of the recording of this podcast, keeping in mind that I've been looking at this quite a bit. So I'm gonna start off with uh, our first tour, uh, and this is in uh, Olden. And this is not in the order we're visiting. I am just happen to go through my history here. And this is where I'm going. The first one is the Brixtel Glacier in Olden. And again, Glacier, uh, the pictures look nice. And, and I certainly backed this up with some of the research I was looking at, uh, being able to take a drive over to uh, see the glaciers. And there's actually a, it says a glacier hike. I feel like that's not too, too bad. I guess let's walk approximately two miles uphill over dirt and stone hiking paths at the Brixtel Glacier. Um, I mean, maybe, all right, I, I think I'll be okay. I'm not, it says activity level strenuous, but I think they really are very conservative, overly conservative with the activity levels there. But, um, I think I'll be fine, especially by myself without the kids complaining that they're tired and whatever. Uh, I think it's worth it and I'm willing to give it a go and what could possibly go wrong. So we're going to check that out in, in Olden, uh, for, for that tour in, I actually, um, our next one is in uh, Garinger. There's the Garinger Ford Fjord Fjord uh, that I'm doing. I'm actually doing a rib boat. This was kind of an interesting idea. So the rib, which stands for rigid inflatable boat, allows you to go right up to the glacier. Um, and and this is one of the uh, Garinger Fjord is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And so basically, you get in the boat. It brings you to the uh, to the, this waterfall and the valley. And um, it's only an hour and fifteen minutes which obviously means that you get in the boat, you go see the glacier, there it is, and then you're back. So not a lot of uh, travel time and certainly not much else that happens beyond that. And that's okay, by the way. I'm totally fine with, with that kind of a thing. Actually, that's actually advantageous because in a lot of these ports, I want to do more than just 
one thing. I'm not willing to necessarily, you know, just do one, like the whole day dedicated one. I think maybe I am in some cases, but I would love more time to explore these towns that we're in as well. So we're doing a rib tour. I keep saying we, it's really just me. I'm doing a rib tour, uh, rib boat tour in Garinger Ford and, uh, and, and excited for that one because it seems like, um, you know, it's going to bring us right up there and probably closer than any glacier that I've even been to in Alaska for that matter. Uh, so definitely exciting there. I think the other thing, you know, with a lot of these tours that we're looking at here is weather is going to be such an X factor. So I'll take a moment here to pause. Just like Alaska, the weather is so unpredictable in Norway. And we're going in the very beginning of the season. I think our sailing is the first full sailing. I could be wrong on that. There might be one more sailing before us because I know that as I'm recording this, Anthem is doing her transatlantic, but it's very, very early in the cruise season. That is good for on the standpoint that the ports won't be that busy with other ships yet. Uh, and, and of course, the price of the cruise isn't too bad as well because it's a shoulder season cruise. Shoulder season referring to the beginning or the end of the season when demand is less. Um, but weather is just, there, there's no guarantee, right? And my fear is that we'll get to one of these places and the fog, clouds, rain, what have you, or combination of all those could greatly diminish the otherwise natural beauty of it. And as people have reported, and I've seen uh, as well in just evidence on YouTube and, and photos, is that, you know, you go there one hour and it's socked in and it looks terrible. You go there another hour and it looks absolutely beautiful. So, um, yeah, it, it's hard to say what, uh, but you can't predict that. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, with my arms crossed, you know, and, and then try to find something at the last minute when the sun comes out. I just feel like you got to, you got to plan as best you can, hope for the best, and, you know, it is what it is. All right, next up, uh, let's talk about Bergen, because Bergen, I originally booked a tour through Royal Caribbean, then I canceled it, because in my research, it seems like Bergen is a city that you can easily walk around on your own. One of the big things is the, I hope I'm saying this right, the funicular uh, railway, which takes you up to the top, but the, the city itself, Bergen is, I, I believe, I could be wrong on this, the largest city uh that we'll be visiting here on this particular tour so it's like a real city as opposed to like these small little towns there and um i feel like there's enough to do i mean certainly um i, I feel com comfortable walking around one of the things i'll be doing um is i'm purchasing a sim uh, e-sim card for europe so that way i can use my phone while we're in these places so that way i can do things like you know pull up google maps and where the heck is where where am i going right um the good news is i i'm not worried about the language barrier i think a lot and a lot of people in norway do speak english um, but my plan is, again, this time I'll be able to be a little more flexible when the weather's uh, cooperating, head up to the funicular. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. And uh, that brings you up to Mount Floyan Summit and you get some really cool views of the city. So hopefully going to spend some time, uh, get some great views, uh, do more city searching. Really, Bergen is the port that I've identified as the place that I want to get as much local Norwegian culture and food uh, as I possibly can. My understanding also is that Norwegian, nor everything's expensive, like super crazy expensive in Norway. So it, that is, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna let it stop me, but I'm understanding that's it's in for. I'm in for a bit of a surprise there when it comes to that. So, uh, but in this case, this was an example of when I had a tour book through Royal Caribbean, and then I canceled it to do just completely on my own. I'm not even doing a, a third party tour. I'm gonna go on my own there. And lastly, that brings us to the port of, what port is this? Another port that I have, it doesn't say which one it is. It's the uh, Acrefjord and Langfoss Waterfall. And I'm just looking at the page here and I apologize that I don't have the, which it's not Olden, it's not Bergen. Um, it's probably the other one. Anyway, uh, this is, uh, again, 
uh, Acryfjord and the waterfall are supposed to be just these amazing views. Uh, this is not a cheap tour, by the way. This is it comes in at two ninety nine for an adult, um, but and it's a seven hour tour. So as I mentioned earlier, the other one was an hour. This is seven hours, but it's going to allow us to go to Acryfjorden, passing by mountains and hillsides, and we go to uh, get a view of Langfjorden, which is the fifth largest waterfall in Norway, and according to Royal Caribbean, considered one of its most beautiful. You'll visit a farm, which is a family-owned farm of more than a 1,000 years. Okay, whatever. Uh, there will also be a delicious lunch consisting of local specialties lovingly prepared by farmers' owners, farm, farms' owners. And then uh, you get to stop for photos at Langfossen. And it's, uh, um, yeah, it, it, this seems to be the thing to do. So, again, I am prioritizing going to do the fjords. Now, this is a great example. Not only does this tour sell out, but this is a good example of, you know, I kind of thought, well, should I do something on my own or through Royal Caribbean? If my family was with me, I would place a greater emphasis on doing a, a private tour for the flexibility of the schedule. Like when I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. I thought about doing a private tour, but I feel like what, not only is it not cost effective, but beyond that, I feel like the, the bigger issue if I go by myself is that um, I, it might be awkward if it's just me and someone else. Like in terms of just like small talk and yeah, I'm not the life of the party. I'm not going to carry the conversation for in this case, six, seven hours, it would be cool. And I, and listen, group, I've, my, my, I don't love group excursions because, because of the slow pace, you know, you're always waiting for somebody. It's always like, hurry up and wait, you know, you get to somewhere, Hey, great. And then it's like, okay, all right, I'm done, but we got to wait for the whole tour to move. It's a lot of hurry up and wait, but you know, it's, I'm willing to deal with it by myself. It'll be fine. It's just not my favorite. But again, I don't think my, what's my alternative. I don't think doing a private tour for one is necessarily a great idea. So that's what I've got lined up in the uh, various ports that we're going to. And I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, this is a cool thing. It's it's kind of neat for me to be able to do something. Oh, by the way, that port I just figured out was uh, Hagasund. Um, it's really cool for me these, this day and age to find something new because I've been I've done so many Caribbean cruises that, you know, it just gets, you know, it's, it's old, it gets old, becomes old hat. Still very enjoyable. Still very enjoyable. But, you know, it's just, it's more familiar so to have a brand new challenge altogether. Very excited for that. In terms of the ship itself, I do. I don't want to talk much about Anthem, but I didn't want to talk about a couple of things that I'm doing and not doing. No, no drink package. It is extremely cheap, by the way, for the drink package. That is compared to Caribbean cruises. Uh, as of right now, the drink package is sixty two ninety nine per, per person per day, which is really cheap for that. But I, I definitely don't need it at all. And in terms of dining, um. I haven't booked it yet. Actually, it's funny. Now that I talk about it as I'm recording, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't book a dining package. I might do a dining package. I haven't quite decided. This is honestly, as I'm recording, I swear I have not even given this a moment's thought beyond that. And there is the unlimited dining package on Anthem of the Seas. So that's, you know, Chops and Jamie's and Izumi. Uh, and and I might, I think I might end up doing that. There's also a three-night dining package as well, so I could fall back on that. Um, you know, it's more the, the timing than anything else, really, that you have to look at, especially in Europe, because again, unlike the Caribbean, You've got, you know, various hours that you're in port. And if, you know, you're off the ship, um, you're not there for dinner, then it may not be an issue. I'm actually looking at the schedule now and I'm looking and I don't, that will not be an issue. I mean, there's no tours that go extremely late. In fact, I think all my tours are in the morning and I think our ship usually leaves by afternoon. So we don't have any days in which we're in port to like 10 o'clock and that would conflict with, with dinner, certainly. So certainly an option. Um, and I just, <laughs> it's just funny. Usually I have this all lined up. Like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do this and this and I got... I got nothing for you guys. I got I, <laughs> what really strikes me. I think more than anything about this Norwegian cruise 
is the fact that the prices are extremely inexpensive. The fact that uh, the key is not sold out. We are less than two weeks away. I think on any Caribbean cruise, the key is sold out. The key is only $26.99 per person uh, per day. I might actually, in the name of research, I might do the key one more time. Just to I, everyone always asks me about it, and I'm not a fan of the key. By the way, I think it sounds. I think the benefits sound better than they are. But considering that it's twenty six ninety nine per person per day for the key, um, the internet package is eighteen ninety nine. So I have to think about that. Anyway, but the drink package is relatively inexpensive. It just seems like clearly demand for these things is much lower than than it is in the Caribbean, and that's why the pricing is so aggressive. Quite frankly. And so that's one thing to keep in mind. And I'm not sure maybe this phenomenon would extend to the Mediterranean or other parts of Europe, but it's really something that jumped out at me. So there you have it, a look at what I've got planned and kind of my approach to my first European cruise. I will absolutely be doing a follow-up episode uh, to once the cruise is over and I get back home and I catch back up on sleep. We'll be doing another episode to kind of recap and kind of you know compare and contrast things there. But um, it's, it's, it's exciting having a new adventure for sure. All right, friends, time to answer emails. Now that I've bought my stuff for my Anthem Cruise and my dining package, I got the three-night package, by the way. I went through the Unlimited, said it wasn't sold out, then it was sold out. So I got the three-night, and I figure I can always change my mind later on, which, again, I do love about the, the cruise planner. All right, time for some questions. Our first email today is from David. Super last-minute question before our cruise on Oasis of the Seas out of New Jersey. Can we attach a luggage tag to a case of water or soda and hand it off to the cruise porters as well? I'm going to try and remember to get my hands on the Daily Cruise Compass. Pass it along, this will be our first sailing of New Jersey for Oasis. Thank you in advance for the Cruise Compass. Thank you for the email. So um, a couple things about the Cruise Compass. First of all, David, you don't need the paper one. There's the digital one every day. So just to get the QR code, the link never changes. You just have to remember every day to download the PDF and then send me the seven night cruise and seven PDFs and you're good to go. That's a lot easier, I think, than scanning. Anyway, uh, can you attach a luggage tag to a case of water or soda and hand to the cruise porters? This is very much a your mileage may vary situation. Officially, the policy is no. Royal Caribbean says you need to bring it on with you on embarkation day and carry it on to the ship. That being said, have I heard of people, David, who have done this? Yes. So here's what I would do if I were you. I would, number one, be prepared for the answer to be no. But when you get there with the porters, give them the tip and say, oh, by the way, can I give you, can you check this case of water to bring on? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is no. But that's how I would approach it because, uh, you know, it is what it is. Next email is coming to us from Eric and Carpentier family. Hope I said that right. First, I'm asking a question, but loyal listener to the podcast. To make a long story short, we have airplane tickets that we've postponed since COVID started. Now we can't change the dates anymore. We're flying from Montreal to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we already have a cruise booked on Liberty of the Seas. But the first three, but for the first three days of our vacation, it'll be cheaper to book a three-day cruise on Liberty again than to pay for three nights at a hotel and restaurant three times a day for four people. The thing is, we're leaving for Montreal in February, middle of the heaviest month of winter, which makes the time of the flight very random. It might be delayed, it might be canceled. If the weather is nice and we're sure that the plane is going to be leaving according to schedule, we're thinking of booking the cruise on February 16th morning, the very same morning Liberty is supposed to leave port. My questions are: Is it possible to book that last minute? What are the odds of having an empty room for us? We know the ship might be 100% sold out, but we're willing to take the risk. Uh, you could. Uh, thank you for the question. So the answer is yes. I mean, obviously, well, you could, but honestly, it's probably going to sell out, especially three-night cruises. They're very popular because, you know, almost anybody can go on them because they're probably over a weekend, right? And so it, it will sell out, and the price will be probably insane if it isn't at the last minute. My advice to you 
Eric, is to book your cruise normally, but then book air to sea. Book your flight through Royal Caribbean. The advantage of doing that is that you're going to allow... That has a, pro, a, pro, a provision in there that if you are not unable to make your, your, your flight, that that would kick in. Also, travel insurance, Eric. Another... Between air to sea and travel insurance, at least you'd be covered and you'd still be able to make that other cruise you have booked. That would be a much better strategy than your last minute booking thing. Because, I mean, you... The idea that you can book the cruise like the day of or two days before, it's not going to happen. Uh, not only that, you can't book it that quite that close in. Best you could do is, you know, three or four days before the cruise. But that doesn't help you. I mean, the snowstorm can still happen. You, know, you don't know if the flight's going to happen or not. So if you're going to fly the same day of your cruise, which you already know is a bad idea, but you're, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I would book the cruise, book the flight through air to sea, and hope for the best in that case. I mean, obviously, you'd still make it down there for your other cruise. Um, air to sea, travel insurance, and be flexible. And you have to go in this knowing if you don't make it, you don't make it. It's not the end of the world. Um, and, and with air to sea and uh, travel insurance, you should have an option there to be able to get, obviously, your money back. And yeah, you got to pay for that hotel. One thing about the hotel, by the way, to help bring the cost down, because we're going to Fort Lauderdale, you don't have to stay like on a beach hotel in Fort Lauderdale. There are many more cheaper hotels if you're willing to drive a little further north or west or both. Um, Places like Pompano Beach, Boca Raton. Um, I mean, within an hour driving, in my mind, is fair game. And you might find some really better pricing for hotels over there. And you can still go and, you know, take lifts or drive over and, you know, explore Fort Lauderdale. Something else to keep in mind there. So, uh, thank you for the email there. Next question is from Carol. What is the proper thing to do with your dirty dishes if you've eaten your cabin? Leave for the room steward? Could be a long wait now with one time a day daily cleaning or leave it in the hallway, which I find disgusting and annoying. Carol, thanks for the email. Honestly, here's the answer. I know people get, there's been kind of almost a renaissance of this debate, what you should do with dirty dishes. Um, given the two choices, leave it in the hallway. I know it's in the way of people there, but I think every time, not every time, most times when I've called like room service, like, hey, uh, we finished our food. We'd like to have someone could pick it up because of course, I don't want to leave it on the hallway, there, right? Which I've done for years and years and years. But hey, maybe I can be a better cruiser, right? They'll, they'll tell me just leave it in the hallway. Someone will come get it. And I'm like, okay. I swear they've done this the last couple of times in which I've called to try to, uh, you know, get around that thing. I mean, if it's truly bothering you, then the, obviously you could take it and go to, you know, the nearest restaurant, Windjammer, uh, Cafe Promenade, or something like that, and and drop it off over there. But you know, I, that's, I feel like that's neither here nor there. Honestly, I would just leave it in the hallway. I, I mean, I under, I've done it for years. I don't, no one ever, no one has, no, when I say no one, no crew members ever, you know, said that's a problem. I've never seen that written as a policy. You shouldn't do that. I really don't feel it's a bad thing. I don't think that the, you know, do I feel bad about them cleaning up someone else cleaning up after me, them being of course crew members, of course, but at the same time, people are cleaning up my cabins and doing those things. Um, and there, there are different crew members who go by and, uh, you know, uh, with room service and they'll pick up these dishes there. I mean, they do magically get picked up at some point. So honestly, my, 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 my honest answer is to just leave it in the hallway and try not to make it, you know, too, not, if you have a giant mess, like you've got a ton of plates and yeah, you gotta do something else with it, but you know, one or two things, it's been the way for years and I, I never saw it as a problem personally, but you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm part of the problem there. 
Next email is from Jenny. I scheduled my first roller coaster cruise on Icon of the Seas for April 2024. Found your podcast, started listening from the very beginning. I'm still years behind, but wanted to say hi and thank you for all the work. I'm actually scheduled my second roller coaster cruise before even my first one has a ship built. We're also doing Alaska summer 2024. Jenny, thank you for the email, and I hope you have a great time. You picked some great ones. I mean, Icon, brand new ship, right? Best and best and latest. And you've got Alaska, which I absolutely love. So you got, let's see, Icon in April 24, and then Alaska summer 24. That is a really good one-two punch there. I'm, I am I am very impressed by that. Next, we have an email from Ty, who's on Odyssey of the Seas. I've often wondered this. Example, last night, we saw Abbey Road, a Beatles tribute band on Odyssey of the Seas. They did two shows last night, and that's all for the week. Do they stay on board all week or do they fly to meet the ship and then fly back out? They were terrific, by the way. Probably in your situation, Ty, they, they got off in port. What's often the case is in, in the Caribbean, I give you an example, uh, there are certain ports in which entertainment switches out. You, Cozumel, San Juan, Puerto Rico, those are two that jump out at me as, as common ones where, you know, on if you're on a seven-night cruise, if you notice the entertainment, all of a sudden entertainers that were there in the beginning are not there and there's new entertainers. In a lot of cases, they do swap out and they'll fly home, they'll fly to another gig, fly to another ship, whatever the case may be. But yes, they will do things like that, Ty. So it's it's actually pretty impressive the amount of, of travel that they do and how they kind of the logistics of all that. And uh, our last email today is going to be coming to us from Karen from Austin, Texas. Hi, Matt. We booked a July 23rd sailing on Allure out of Galveston. Thanks to one of your older blog posts, I learned that this is the President's Cruise. That'll be an unexpected new experience. I have a question about internet on Allure. We splurged and booked a two-bedroom grand suite. And I thought one of the suite perks is free internet for each person booked in the suite. But when I made my final payment, there was no mention of the internet being included in my invoice. Should I be worried about mutiny from my teens? <laughs> also, do you know if Allure has been upgraded to Starlink and the cruise planner until it says boom? Uh, the good news, I got good news for you all around. Number one, the internet is included. It's part of the Sky Class benefits of which you've got. Uh, if you're in a grand suite, which you are. So yeah, it's included for everybody in the suite. No worries. It's not gonna be on the invoice. It's just part of the benefits of being a Sky Class guest. So you're good on that, not to worry. Uh, when you get on board the ship, Karen basically set up an account for each person and there'll be a, a free package uh, ready to be activated for them. And yes, Allure has been upgraded to Starlink. All the Royal Caribbean cruise ships at this point are on Starlink per their original plan there. So thank you, Karen, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Of course, if you want to email me your questions, you can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.